Hello and welcome back to Retirement Success. And in this season, we're focusing on health and finance in retirement. Today's guest is Dr. Dinesh Sirisena, a sports medicine specialist. And we're going to talk about the painful topic of arthritis. What is it? What can we do about it? And if we have it, how can it be treated? So let's get started. So good morning, Dr. Dinesh, and welcome to Retirement Success Podcast. Hi, Dennis. Thanks for inviting me to come and speak. Of course, uh, not to be confused with the other Dr. Dinesh on a previous episode who was a cardiologist, and he described himself as a plumber. How would you describe your speciality in layman's terms? Well, I guess you could consider me as a car mechanic, somebody who's involved in maintaining your whole body function um, while tweaking bits here and there as we go along. Essentially, I sort of sit between orthopedic surgeons who do the surgical stuff and physiotherapists who do the rehab things and rheumatologists who do the medical things. So I take the best of all three elements and become this one glorified car mechanic. <laughs> glorified car mechanic. Okay. We now know how to describe a sports medicine doctor. So thank you for that, uh, that, that description. We're going to focus today on the painful topic of arthritis. First of all, can you help us understand what arthritis actually is? And is there more than one type? That's a great question. Arthritis is basically pain in the joints. Arth being the joint and itis being inflammation and pain. There's essentially two broad types of arthritis. You have the inflammatory arthritis, such as rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, and then you have your degenerative type, which is basically osteoarthritis. In both of them, there'll be sometimes similar symptoms. So you'll have joint pain, you might have joint swelling, but the underlying problem tends to be quite different for both of them. Okay, so there are several flavors of arthritis. Absolutely. And so the inflammatory ones can happen almost at any age, but there are certain patterns to things. And it's where your body is basically attacking its own joints. So in this situation, you tend to have medicines that dampen down that immune system. In contrast, the osteoarthritis is usually from a trauma, or it can be from other risk factors such as increased body weight or actual physical in inactivity as well. And in this, there's again a series of changes that we see in the joint, but it's somewhat different to the inflammatory arthritis. Mm, okay. And for the benefit of the listeners, Dr. Dinesh, you actually treat my knees for osteoarthritis. And this, as I understand it, is pure wear and tear that doesn't actually improve. You can only relieve the symptoms with something like PRP injections, which you treat me with. Um, perhaps we'll cover that a bit later. But osteoarthritis, it's not something you can reverse. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, for every area of the body, there's a normal decline in terms of as we age, it gets mm. the tissue gets weaker, it gets older, and so on. And in certain joints and certain areas of the body, it can take a slightly accelerated path. What we're trying to do with all the treatments that we implement is to return that joint or that area of the body to that normal curve, as it were, so that you 
aren't having an accelerated process. So with the treatments that I've given for your knees, I'm hoping to not only help with the symptoms, but hopefully also to slow down that wear and tear process if, if I can. Oh, okay. So basically what we're doing is delaying the potential need for a knee replacement, an artificial knee. That's one of the um, hopeful outcomes. But the, the key thing is to actually improve your quality of life. So um, it's about reducing the pain and swelling around the knee. It's about maintaining your mobility. It's about reducing the risk of other medical problems, such as blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, which are all well-known and associated with physical inactivity. And so if I can do something relatively small to maintain your whole body function, yet has a significant impact on the rest of you. That's what we're trying to achieve, really. Okay. There's a whole range of treatments, not just PRP, starting with, I guess, physiotherapy. How does that help a worn or inflamed joint? As you say, there's various treatments available. Physiotherapy certainly forms the foundation of it. But actually, before that, even before we even think about anything medical, it's about lifestyle changes. It's about being more physically active. It's about looking at what you're eating and trying to reduce your weight and reduce things that aggravate the joint. So let's say, for example, you have gout and you want to reduce the flare-ups of the gout in the joints. Well, it's important to cut down on red meats and and cheeses and, and, and so on. So, you know, mm. there are lifestyle things that can be done well in advance of doing anything medical. Then when you come to the medical side, then we have, you can consider it as either a conservative approach or interventional. So in terms of conservative, we can do things like acupuncture, which can help immensely with joint pain. Physiotherapy is, is very useful. And the reason we do that a lot is because as much as you get pain around the joint, we can try and offload the joint by strengthening the muscles. We can increase the mobility. We can increase your flexibility of the tissues. And we can try and improve the joint health through all these sort of different modalities and different methods in physiotherapy. Of course, in some situations, it doesn't always resolve the symptoms and there can be ongoing pain and swelling and so on. And so the next step after that is to consider something a little bit more interventional. Mm. And in this situation, yes, we the first, next step is to consider injections and, and so on into the knee, which is what we do for your knees. Yes. And so in terms of the injections, traditionally, there used to be just steroid and everyone would come in, your GP or your orthopedic surgeon or whoever would whack in some steroid into the knee. It might cause a bit of a flare up temporarily, if it might not. And then the pain would inevitably reduce. And as a consequence, you'd feel fine. But we do know that that steroid doesn't last very long. Hmm. Now we have other options. It started with the PRPs and the hyaluronic acids. What these are is PRP is platelet-rich plasma. And so we take your blood, we spin it down in a centrifuge and separate out the red cells from the plasma and the platelets and the white cells. And we take the latter and we put that into your knee. So we put the platelets, the plasma and some mm. white cells into the knee. And that is has been found to reduce inflammation, reduce pain, but also, and as the theory goes, it hopefully encourages you to return to that normal degenerative curve 
and by hopefully stimulating some healing. Mm. The other medicine, the hyaluronic acid, is the gel, which everyone talks about. And this is basically a synthetic molecule which you put into the knee and it draws lots of fluid in. So it adds a sort of cushioning effect. Now, the issue with the hyaluronic acid, sometimes it can cause a bit of a flare up of, of the knee pain, which, you know, some of my patients haven't really been happy about, but afterwards it does kind of settle down. And more and more now what I'm doing is I'm trying to combine the two. So you get the best of both worlds. So you get the cushioning effect of the hyaluronic acid and you get the healing and pain relieving effects of the PRP. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, you'll be pleased to know that I had my PRP injections about two and a half weeks ago. And this morning I walked five kilometers up and down a steep hill with no pain. So oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. I, yeah, I'm feeling the benefit, definitely. And what is the mechanism that is helping me with the PRP? Mm. How, how so, does the platelet-rich plasma help reduce my pain? Okay, so as I said, the main ways that the PRP works is it reduces pain, reduces inflammation, and hopefully encourages some healing. The way that it reduces pain is by reducing that inflammation. So the platelets have lots of healing factors in them. And so when you inject mm. that into the body, they congregate and they release those healing factors into the, into the joint and as a consequence reduces that inflammatory process. By reducing that inflammation, you then reduce the pain. But on top of that, there are growth stimulating chemicals and hormones and everything in that PRP, which can hopefully stimulate the area to not heal up to like when you were 21, but you know, try and re slow mm. down that process a little bit. Yeah, I'm waiting for that injection that will help me get back to 21. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's, uh, that's a lovely thing to think about. But unfortunately, <laughs> we haven't invented that yet. But uh, if they do, um, I'll go back to being 21, knowing what I know now, that will be wonderful. Yes, I'll be first in the queue for that one when you get it. <laughs> now, I've been fortunate in that I've suffered no side effects. And again, for the benefit of the, the listeners, after you injected my knees, immediately afterwards, I got off the table and just walked away and, and felt no after effects. Are there possible side effects that people might encounter from knee injections, either with the hyaluronic, um, sorry, I can't pronounce that, but the acid or the PRP? So with all injections, I counsel my patients that there are risks, benefits and side effects. So if we start with the benefits, we've covered that already. And so we yep. know why we're doing it. But yep. the risks are like any other blood test. So there's the risk of infection, pain and bleeding around where the injection site is. Other than that, the PRP, quite honestly, Dennis, I haven't had any significant adverse um, outcomes from it. Mm. Okay. Um, and the hyaluronic acid, like I said, the worst outcome is the flare-up for most people and other than that it could be that you're allergic to it and mm. we don't know until you try okay let's focus on prp for a moment mm -hmm. how often should i need those injections to be of, of benefit once a week once every six months once every two years what, what's the kind of frequency of injection that would be optimal that's a great question and Unfortunately, it's one of the big unknowns with PRP in terms of how long it will last. There was a consensus statement back in 2021 written by the European Society for Knee Surgeons. They basically said that PRP is 
beneficial for mild to moderate osteoarthritis. And even in severe cases, it can be beneficial in terms of the pain and the swelling. And for most patients, I just you do the single injection and we see how we go. But in the guidelines, they say it's optimal to do between two to four injections one month apart. Now, I understand that there's a cost involved and everything like that for all these treatments. And so unless somebody has quite significant wear and tear in the knee, I don't usually advocate that. I usually say, try the first one. Let's see how you're doing in about three or four weeks time. And then we take it from there. In some situations, I have topped up and done the three injections for patients and they have found it to be quite useful. Mm -hmm. And some patients have come back and said to me, you know, the first one was really good. And the subsequent ones actually made it, gave me that extra five, 10% difference. And I said, well, that's great. But some patients, obviously, you know, it doesn't make a huge amount more difference to, mm -hmm. to their symptoms. In terms of duration, like I said, it's a bit of an unknown because ultimately we're dealing with your own platelets and your own plasma, and mm. we don't know how your body's going to respond to it. So there right. is that individual element to it. However, anecdotally, I've never had anyone come back to me and say there's been absolutely no difference whatsoever. Okay. The best case scenario has been in one of my neighbors. I did his knees and he's had a fabulous time. I've not seen him for a, I mean, I've seen him since, but I've not seen him for an injection mm -hmm. for about four or five years. And he cycles, he hikes, he plays tennis regularly. So he's done remarkably well. So I think it's a little bit of an individual science and we tailor it according to you. Mm. But I would say that for most patients, especially if you're in your 50s, 60s and onwards, it's advisable just to consider it like changing the oil in your car. Try, you know, top it up once a year and maintain it rather than wait till mm -hmm. things start to break down. And the patients who've had good outcomes as well are the ones who are quite physically active, who do additional sort of, you know, strengthening exercises, who make the most of it. And actually, like yourself, who actually can, you have a bit of a benchmark in terms of how, how things are progressing. So now you said, you know, after two weeks, you felt great walking five kilometers up a slope. Well, that's fabulous. You know, you, you mm -hmm. can see the progress yourself. We've been focusing on the knees, but of course, arthritis is not the only place in the body that it occurs. Will these kinds of injections work for other parts of the body? What are the typically the patients you see with arthritis other than the knees, where, where else do you tend to see it, particularly in the elderly patients? I see it uh, all over the place, actually. It's, it's prevalent in not just the knees, but the feet, the ankles, hips, even the spine. Um, and I've been using PRP for all of these areas. If you don't mind me sort of sidetracking a little bit, but what, sure. one of the things that I've come across lately and I think is very beneficial is patients who've got chronic low back pain or back pain in general. And PRP can be very useful for ligaments in the back. And it's something that we don't really talk about. But if you imagine mm. you have your joint and then you have the capsule surrounding it, and then you have these little ropes between the bones supporting it. Now, if these ropes, the ligaments, are, are not very tight and they're not holding things in place, what's going to be keeping it together? Well, it's the bones. You know, it's just the bony contact. So if these things aren't working well, then you're inevitably going to flare up that joint pain. So my new mantra, as it were, 
is don't just deal with the joint, deal with the surrounding structures as well. So in mm. your back, you have little, little joints. If you're not dealing with the supporting structures that hold these things in place, you can focus as much as you want on the, the joints and the nerves and the discs and all those things. But if you don't deal with the supporting structures, you're just going to keep, that pain's just going to keep coming back. Mm, interesting. Okay. At what point do we say, okay, these interventions are, are not working anymore. The, the, the joint is too bad. How can we recognize we've reached a point where surgery and an artificial joint is the only answer? I think if you've tried the treatments and adhered to the program, then, and it's not working, then I think we need to sit back and say, look, we've tried everything. Maybe taking the next step with surgical sort of intervention is important. What I mean by the program is that I tend to do things not in silos anymore. I think I tend to do things concurrently. So let's say, for example, it's knee pain again. And you've come in and you've said to me, when I'm walking, I get the knee pain and so on. So in an ideal situation, I would say, yes, let's do the physiotherapy. Let's concurrently do the injections and, you know, let's not waste time waiting for things to see how it goes with just the physiotherapy. Let's do it together. And then at the same time, I might even send you to see a podiatrist to have a look at your your foot positioning, your footwear, you know, see if it's appropriate, see if there's anything else we can change. So I do things concurrently and I've changed my mindset in that we should just do one thing and see how it goes and, and then come back and then try the next thing. Because when you start doing things in silos, it's just lengthens that time frame for, for mm. things to happen. So if you can put everything together in a, say, cohere, a consolidated three to six months, and if things are really not getting better, then you may need to consider the surgical options. But if things are improving, then, you know, continue with that. Hmm. So it sounds like a much more holistic approach rather than just thinking, this is joint pain, let's treat the joint. It is looking at the kind of bigger picture of, of the body as a whole, weight, lifestyle, and the whole mechanism of the body rather than just that one single piece of it, that one single joint. Absolutely. I'm glad you used the word holistic. Sometimes in my head, sometimes I wonder whether I'm being too aggressive with treatments, but it's not being aggressive. It's about it's about trying to get things done as efficiently and as effectively as possible. And the way I describe it to patients sometimes is that you know, if you had high blood pressure, you wouldn't take a beta blocker until you reach the maximum dose of that and then say, hey, let's then try a calcium channel inhibitor or an ACE inhibitor or whatever it is. Mm. So you would take a little bit of each of them and hope that in their different ways, they have a significant impact on your blood pressure. Mm. And much is the same with arthritis and joint pain. You know, you can do physiotherapy as much as you want, but if you're still having the symptoms, well, then you are you going to wait for six months before you start doing other things? Of course not. Right. I mean, do yeah. things concurrently. Okay. Another thing that I've noticed in our conversation, you talk about staying active, and it's kind of counterintuitive in that you think to save joint wear, you don't want to move too much. But I've noticed in our conversation, you've mentioned the word active on a number of occasions, staying active to keep the joints healthy. And it just, it just seems counterintuitive 
to fighting wear on a joint to be active. Can you say a little bit more about that? Sure. Some years ago, the the World Health Organization came up with a guideline suggesting that for maintaining a healthy lifestyle, we need to do a minimum of 30 minutes moderate physical activity per day Mm -hmm. or 75 minutes of vigorous physical activity twice a week. That's what they came up with. And then later on, they came to the realization that even though you do the physical activity, the 30 minutes a day as a bare minimum, if you spend 23 and a half hours of the rest of your day being physically inactive, then actually that's quite detrimental. So now they've said, well, do the physical activity, but also try and reduce physical inactivity as much as possible. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and physical activity doesn't necessarily mean you have to put on your sneakers and go out for a, for a jog. It means just walking. Uh, it means, you know, instead of parking your car right by the shops, park it at the other end of the uh, car park and walk that little extra distance. Or if you have a bicycle, you know, jump on the bicycle and cycle down to the shops on the bicycle rather than taking the car. So it's, it's about sneaking, sneaking in little bits of physical activity where you can. And it's really important, not just for joint health, but also for other systems in the body, for your blood pressure, for your glucose control, for your psychological well-being. You know, exercise helps with all of Mm. those. But certainly for the joints, it helps with mobility. It helps with joint sort of strength and the muscle strength. And and one of the big things, and maybe we can do another podcast on this later on, is sarcopenia. Mm. Because we know and we recognize that sarcopenia is a big issue internationally as, as, as the world population gets older. Reduced muscle strength uh, is a significant risk factor and comorbidity in, in, uh, with chronic diseases. So if you can improve all of these aspects with exercise, that's really, really key. And that will really help you with your joint pains and your arthritis. Mm. So the answer really is if you want to avoid arthritis and actually most other elderly afflictions, take care of your lifestyle first. Look after your your weight and your diet and stay active seems to be the answer. Absolutely. And then as things break down or as you get symptoms here, there and everywhere, you know, let's deal with it early rather than sit and wait and say, oh, I've got this shoulder pain. It's okay. Maybe I can, I can wait three months and see. Um, mm. Don't. Deal with it early. I mean, if you, if you can nip things in the bud, it's much, much easier for us to manage as well. And it will have a much less impactful outcome on your well-being. Yeah. And, you know, every time I interview a doctor or talk to a doctor about avoiding various diseases, they always come up with early detection. The Mm -hmm. earlier you you start looking at a problem, the easier it's going to be to treat. And I guess it's a bit like your your car. If it's got a a slight rattle, if you deal with it now, it'll be relatively cheap and not a a major intervention. If you leave it, it just gets worse until you need a new engine. So it sounds like a similar philosophy for the body. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's it's ironic that people are more than happy to take their car in for a servicing or take mm. their pets for checkup at the vet, but they're um, less inclined to look after themselves when they start to have symptoms. Mm. Yeah. So there's the number one tip for today. If you start having joint pains, go and see someone like 
Dr. Dinesh, a sports medicine specialist or someone who specializes in joints and arthritis. And if someone did need your help, how can they contact you? Well, thanks, Dennis. I, I'm based with Ospikim Orthopedic, and we have two clinics, one in Mount E. Orchard and one in Royal Square at Novena. If anyone is interested in getting in touch or if you have any questions, you can either follow me on my social media or you can get in touch with the clinic directly if you look up Ospikim Orthopedic online. All right. Well, Dr. Dinesh, thank you very much for sharing your knowledge and experience today. And uh, we may be talking to you again at some point in the future. Thanks very much. Bye for now. That's it for this episode of Retirement Success. I hope you enjoyed it and learned a few things that perhaps you weren't aware of before. If you have any comments or you have a topic you'd like me to cover in a future episode, write to me at retirementsuccess60 at gmail.com. Retirementsuccess numbers 60 at gmail.com. So this is Dennis Heath signing off. Until the next time, stay happy, healthy, and may the force be with you.